Hi, I'm Tina. And I'm Amber. And, and we're, we're the Slayer Sisters. Welcome back, Amber. Hello. Hello. We are now on part two. Episode 15 of the Edgar Allan Poe Museum. Museum. Should you, you should do a short little recap of our first part. What did we cover? Okay, so basically what we covered is that Edgar Allan Poe was born. His dad left him when he was one. His mom died when he was two. He was uh, adopted. Well, not really adopted, but fostered. Um, and he was basically a spoiled, rotten little brat. Okay. Did yep, we, that's about that's it. it. Okay, good. Served in the Army. Didn't really make it because he didn't like the rules. Well, he also doesn't like to work, so. No. Okay, mm. so there we go. We okay. covered it. Yay! Yay! So now, uh, part two, we're going to be covering kind of more of the, if you remember, he now was living with his aunt. Mm -hmm. His brother, older brother, passed away from alcoholism. So it's just him, his aunt. His very young cousin, mm -hmm. who he calls Sissy, mm -hmm. and she calls him Eddie, mm -hmm. and his very unwell older grandmother. Invalid. Invalid. Mm -hmm. Well, that'll... Okay. Okay. And go. I stole the notes, by the way. You did. You stole the notes so you can shock me. I love it. Anyways, I okay. know. I know you do. Here we go. So, uh, once he moved back, right? Right. His brother's dead. Uh, he started, he kind of had a thing for the neighbor girl, okay? Oh so boy. he started using his cousin Virginia as a love note courier. Oh! During his fruitless attempt to hit on the neighbor. So he had his little cousin running love notes back and forth. Mm hmm. Okay. Yep. So then in 1835, Poe's grandma died. Okay. And they lost the essential source of income that she provided. Grandma was the source of income. Uh-huh. Grandma had the moolah. Yep. Okay. So, he didn't have a choice. Like, he had to provide for the family, right? Right. So, in early August of 1835, he moved back to Richmond so he could take a job. And uh, he made earnest attempts to start his career as a writer. So, but, you know, clearly he chose a difficult time in American publishing uh, but one of the first American, he was one of the first Americans to live by writing alone and uh, was hampered by the lack of international copyright law. Do you know what that is? I do not. Okay, so basically. I don't have notes. <laughs> um, so basically American publishers often produced unauthorized copies of British works and uh, they insist, because they didn't want to pay the American writers. Okay. So they would just go illegally take copies of British books and publish them in the United States. Because then they didn't have to pay anyone. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's legal. Not. Right. So then they made this law, or this, this act. That, yeah. Yeah. No more of that. Right. Damn Yankees. So the industry was also hurt by the Panic of 1837, which was a depression. So kind of fucked him over there, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like I said, publishers often received... Well, they also refused to pay their writers. Um, or they paid them much less than they promised. So they're like, okay, we'll pay you $1,000. They're paying, like, 10 Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Dollars instead. Yeah, that's a bit of a dip. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good. Mm -mm. And uh, Poe repeatedly resorted to humiliating pleas for money and other assistance. Like, he was not... He was not above begging. He begged his ass off. Oh, because he didn't want to work. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Crap. <laughs> his early attempts at poetry actually turned his attention to uh, his different critics. 
But based on John Neal's critiques in the Yankee magazine, um, he ended up getting to place a few stories with a uh, Philadelphia publication. And he became work began work on his only drama, The Politician. The Politician. Mm-hmm. Is that a movie? Probably. It sounds like a movie. I don't know why I'm being so quiet. Sorry. I don't, I don't know, know either. So, in 1833... 33rd... <laughs> in 1833... You weirdo. The Baltimore Sunday Visitor awarded him a prize. What did he get for a prize? Well, it was for his short story... Message found in a bottle. It's actually MS found in a bottle. It's supposed to be in that, you know, never mind. Okay. Um, and this brought him the attention of John P. Kennedy, who helped Poe play some of his stories and then also introduced him to Thomas W. White, who was the editor of the Southern Literary in Richmond, which was a huge deal. It was a big publication. So he finally looks like getting his break. Not really. Not yet. Nope. So, in 1835, he actually became the assistant of the editor of the Southern Literary, which is that Thomas White. Um, but White discharged him within a few weeks for being drunk on the job. So, yet again, fucks off. Uh-huh. Loses his job. Yeah. Okay. After he loses his job, he receives a letter from his cousin, uh, Nielsen Poe, and it absolutely devastated him. Okay? Okay. Edgar and, well, he was Edgar and Virginia's cousin, and they he invited Virginia to come stay with him in his Baltimore home and attend school because he wanted her to be well-educated. Um, and his, his intentions were purely protective. Like he wanted her out of poverty, her and Muddy out of poverty, um, and he hoped to prevent Virginia from marrying young. And he wanted to, you know, put her in, out into society like a... Proper, proper young lady. Yes. Okay. Uh, Poe lost his fucking mind. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oh, boy. He does not want them to be out of poverty or out of his sight, I'm guessing. He thoroughly freaked out, started drinking heavily, shouting off hysterical missives at Muddy in Virginia. This is a direct quote from a letter he wrote to Virginia, or to Muddy. This was to Muddy. I am blinded with tears while writing this letter. I have no wish to live another hour. I love you. You know I love Virginia passionately, devotedly. I cannot express in words the fervent devotion I feel towards my dear little cousin, my own darling. All right, it's getting creepy now. So then Virginia had wrote, oh no, this is still, this is still the one to Muddy. He says, the tone of your letter wounds me to the soul. Oh, auntie, auntie, you love me once. How could you be so cruel now? You speak of Virginia acquiring accomplishments and entering into society. You speak in so worldly a tone. Are you sure she would be more happy? Do you think anyone could love her more dearly than I? Yeah, her mom. Creeper? Heaven's sakes. So then, this is, was a quote from a letter he wrote to his cousin. Virginia, my love, my own sweetest sissy, my darling little wifey, think well before you break the heart of your cousin Eddie. Is it just me or does that sound like a goddamn threat? Yeah. Does that not sound like he just threat? Think well. Think well. Yeah. Before you break the heart 
Yeah. Of your cousin Eddie. What the fuck? The fuck are you gonna do about it, Edgar? And you're calling your her your wifey? Fucking sicko. Oh. I'm not liking him now. I'm Mm-mm. getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, so then he moved back to Baltimore on September 22nd of 1935, and he and Virginia took out a marriage license and wed privately. He married his cousin. She was 13. He was 26. That is just fucking disgusting. That is gross. <laughs> In 1935? Mm-hmm. 1835, sorry. What the hell? Yeah. He married, he married her publicly on May 16th of 1836. Um, oh, a, nice. A Presbyterian minister openly married him to his cousin, Virginia. Fucking garbage. Uh, That's horseshit. It gets better. Oh, does it? <laughs> Great. So, Poe lied about her age on the marriage certificate. Clearly. Said she was 21. Uh, okay. He also lied about her age in public. This is a direct quote from Silverman. He's a historian who, like, studied uh, Edgar Allan Poe. He said, Coe cared, Poe, Coe, Poe cared about the public impression he might create by marrying a child. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. He sometimes handled the problem by simply misrepresenting her age. A few months before the marriage, he told Kennedy that Virginia was 15. How is that better? It's not of me. How? That is better. What? (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) My God, man. (laughs) Grow a conscience and some morals. Oh, my God. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. What in the holy hell is going on with these people? Uh, But he also had a habit of making himself younger. Another Uh, quote. Paul rather experienced himself also as a child. In his claims to precocious geniuses, he even emphasized his immaturity by saying he was born in eight. No, his immaturity, sorry, yeah. So he was born in 1809, but he several times gave the year of his birth as 1811 or even 1813, making himself seem to be two to four years younger than he was. Why? You still married a child, you dumbass. And even if you were two, four years younger, that's 22, marrying a 13, like, it doesn't matter. And plus, P.S., your age is 26. You're 26. The fuck? Just stop it. Nope, I'm not done. Ugh, criminally. Um, but Poe could not deny his new wife was not a grown woman. Uh, well, really? Because she wasn't. Because Virginia's Im- immaturity mattered in a more personal way, too. What? The fuck? Please explain this. Well, reportedly, Poe later said that for two years, he occupied a room alone and did not... Assume the position of husband. The statement is secondhand and ambiguous enough to leave it uncertain whether he had sexual relations with his wife after oh. those two, two years or not. Oh. <laughs> oh, because now he has a conscience and morals? I guess so. I call bullshit. I didn't touch her. I slept in a different room for two years. She Lies. Was, okay. Okay. But if you did that... You were 28 and she was 15. What the fuck? <laughs> right? 
What is wrong oh, with you? Oh, good lord. This is horseshit. I just want you to know. I didn't touch it for two years. Yeah, I call bullshit. Garbage. Uh, well, and even back in that time, like, the youngest married age was 16. I, but, but he kept lying about her age anyhow. But so that's a like, thing. Oh, that's okay. We'll believe you. Blah, blah. Well, and it, it literally said in the research that, like, she was so, like, elfin-like. So she was so, a very probably small, petite girl. And looked much younger than her years. They're like, hey, so you're marrying a nine-year-old. That's great. Let's get this over with. Uh-huh. Sick fucks. So. Good Lord. So after the marriage, Poe was reinstated by White um, because he promised him good behavior. Oh, oh yep. Because mm -hmm. okay. he's a truthful person. Uh-huh. Uh oh, yeah, sure. oh okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if sir. say so. Okay, let's go on the word. Oh, blah. Uh, he did return to Richmond with Virginia and her mother, and they, or he remained at the Messenger until January of 1837. Poe claimed, once here we go, Poe's claiming, he claimed that its circulation increased from 700 copies a month to 3,500 because he was there. Um, oh, so he's also arrogant. Yep. Okay. He published <laughs> several poems, book reviews, critiques, and stories in the paper as well. His own. Not other people's. So, mm -hmm. so in 1838, he re relocated to Philadelphia, where he lived at four different residences. Because, you know, it was not good enough. With his child bride. And, and, and mama. And mother-in-law. Oh, what do you want to call her? Oh, my God. It, it is both. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was his mother's sister. She's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, and it's running rampant <laughs> like rabies. Mm hmm. That's just great. Does it get better? No. I mean, we're out of the bad shit for now. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. No problem. I had to wash my soul. For now. For now. So, it's wow. okay. So, uh, that's, that's great. One of the residents he lived in, uh, where was he at again? Oh, yeah, Philadelphia. <laughs> was 532 North 7th Street, which is preserved as a National Historic Landmark. It is the only one of his homes that is. And it's a landmark because of him. Yeah. Correct? Mm hmm Oh, okay. So that same year, he publishes his novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, mm -hmm. which was widely reviewed. It was. There once was a man from Nantucket. That's all I know. That's you know, I don't know the rest of it. You probably do. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's fine. So, summer of 1839 then, now he's an assistant editor of Burton's Gentleman's Magazine. Mm -hmm. Published numerous articles, stories, and reviews of his own. I'm well, not and, the reviews, but others, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. And it enhances reputation as a treacherous critic. So now he's got a reputation as a as a as a critic. Yeah. Oh, as so a mean one. As a mean one. Well, yeah, because you know he's, he's also perfect. a writer. No one else is. But I mean, okay, in this regard, like he's also a writer. So isn't he going to be more critical of other people's writing, especially when he wants to be like the best? You know. I would imagine. Yes. So I get that. I would imagine. Yeah. So his collection, uh, Tales of the Grotesque and Arbesque was published in volumes 
two to be two exact. Two volumes. Yeah. Uh, didn't get a lot of money though. No. And no. very mixed reviews. And very mixed reviews. Yep. So June of eighteen forty, he published a prospectus announcing his intention to start his own journal called the Stylus. Mm-hmm. So now he's just gonna go out on his own. It was that was actually a dream of his for a really long time. So. Okay. But it was originally called um, the pen. Yeah. With two ends. Yep. And it um, was never published before his death. Really? Mm-hmm. Never came out? Never came out. Never produced. Never nothing. I mean, he had ideas, but... Okay. It never happened. Gotcha. So, January 1842, his child bride, literally, she starts showing symptoms of tuberculosis, which we both know at that time was... Incurable. Incurable. Mm-hmm. Running rampant, you know. Um, she was singing and playing the piano still. And, but he described it as uh, breaking a blood vessel in her throat. Mm-hmm. And she only partially recovered from that. Yeah, because apparently she was a beautiful singer. Like, she had the voice of an angel. So, when he describes that as, like, breaking a blood vessel in her throat, like, that's bad. Yeah. Like, so. with the tuberculosis, you're yeah. coughing so much. And so, of course, he starts drinking more under the stress. He, dude's an alcoholic. Already. Yeah. 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 So, January 30th, 1847, she dies from tuberculosis, and she was only 24 years old. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, still really young. Mm -hmm. But again, no cure for it at that time either. None. No. Mm -mm. So, there's only one portrait of Virginia that exists. Yes. And it's rendered with uh, very poignant simplicity, and the palette consists largely of earth colors. Um, but there's a vacant expression on her face and kind of a blah tilt to her head. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, mm, that kind of gives away those grim circumstances under when the portrait was painted. Well, if this poor thing is dying, you're going to take a port. you're going to paint a portrait of her? You're not done. Oh, you're not. You're not done. I'm not. Clearly. So... Oh, the portrait was painted in the hours following her death from tuberculosis. She's dead and they paint a portrait of her? Are you kidding me? Uh, Yeah, okay, because listen, listen, listen. What? The likeliness is said to have been commissioned only when it was realized that no portrait of her had ever existed in life. I can't right now. Uh, Listen, she was alive before. Maybe you should have painted it then. No, let's wait till she's dead. It's not funny, but your reaction is funny. You're letting me go through this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the shocks. Listen, guys, she's got the notes, and I'm still shocking her. I just can't. He's like, listen, let's just, you know, paint a portrait of you. Y'all better be ready for what Tina has coming up. Oh, no. Read. Come it's on. It's going to be really nice, guys. No, no, no. That's our producer. Yeah. Okay, great. Now, I, this is this is fucked up. I just want y'all to know. So, Poe writes to her before the portrait's painted in June of 1846, right? Yeah. Okay. And you got to so, read the quote. So, well, this, is, this is before her passing. Yeah. 
So this is what Poe writes to her. Keep up your heart in all hopefulness and trust yet a little longer in my last great disappointment. I should have lost my courage, but for you, my little darling wife, you are my greatest and only stimulus now to battle with this uncongenial, unsatisfactory, and ungrateful life. So he did love her. Okay. He did, in his own really fucked up way. Clearly. Um, because after her death is when Edgar put out his best works. Really? A, a Tall Tale Heart, The Raven, all done after Virgin, Virginia passed. Huh. And if you, I mean, I won't give it all away, guys, but uh, if you read or if you've read The Tall Tale Heart, you know what I'm talking about because it's actually a man who lost a loved one and... He hears her heartbeat, and he tears a he tears apart the house. And then uh, there's also the poem Annabelle Lee. I don't know if you've ever heard about that one. No. It's also it's a beautiful tragic poem, like love story. So I can see why like he was really in love with Virginia, and that's where most of his poetry came from. Okay. But it was also like you know like we talked about earlier how he was romanticized. Right. Some of his stories were actually. Pretty romantic. Makes so. sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, his frequent themes of death of a beautiful woman, that kind of stems from, well, it does stem from the repeated loss of women throughout his life, which included his wife, yes. Virginia. Mm-hmm. All right. Which made him increasingly more unstable after right. her death. So, then he attempts to court the poet Sarah Helen Whitman, Mm-hmm. But that engagement failed because of his drinking, his erratic behavior. And Whitman's mother intervened, and she did as much as she possibly could to derail the relationship, which I can understand. Yeah. You know, you're trying to date my daughter, and you're a wreck. So then he returned to um, Richmond, and then he... Resumed his relationship with Sarah Elmira Royster, which... Was the first girl he was engaged to. Right. That ended up, he left and then came back and she was married to someone else. Yeah. So he starts up his relationship with her again. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's just all over the board, isn't he? Yeah. So he ended up dying on October 3rd of 1849. He was found uh, semi-conscious. In Baltimore. Apparently it was a really rainy, nasty night. um, And he was found in the gutter, confused, um, and under the influence of some kind of intoxicant. So, probably drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the person who found him actually said that Poe was in great distress and in need of immediate uh, assistance. And that was Joseph W. Walker. That's the man who found him. Oh. Yeah. Alrighty then. Mm Mm-hmm. So then he was taken to the Washington Medical Center, and he died on, well, okay, he didn't die on the 3rd. He was found on the 3rd. He died October 7th of 1949 at 5 a.m. at just 40 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, 1849, 5 a.m., 40 years old. Wow. Yeah. Only, for, that's a pretty short life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wasn't coherent long enough uh, the entire time he was in the hospital to, like, explain how he came to be in the condition that he was in. Okay. Um, or why he was wearing clothes that were not his own. They belonged to someone else. Oh. 
But he suffered okay. from <laughs> delirium and hallucinations, too. So God only knows how he ended how, up. With someone else's clothes on. Yeah. Oh, but he okay. uh, repeatedly called out the name Reynolds on the night before his death, but it's seriously unclear of whom he was, you know, talking about. So. Okay. Yeah, he was real. He was a, he was a mess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Only 40. That's crazy. Yeah, and his last words were, Lord, help my poor soul. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, but all of the relevant medical records that he has, or had, have somehow been lost. Yeah. Including his death certificate. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of odd. So, the attending physician was Dr. John J. Moran, and he reported that Poe's cause of death um, was uh, frentis, which is kind of a term for swelling or congestion of the brain, which was kind of a nice way of referring to death by means of alcoholism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he was buried on the ground of Westminster Hall um, and burial, burial ground. And he was exhumed and reburied on October 1st of 1875 at a new location, which was closer to the front of the church. Why would they? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I don't know. I, okay. um, I'm not entirely sure what oh. their thought process, what there was. Well, yeah. I don't like, know, why would but, you? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So his death, his cause of death, still remains a mystery. Yeah. There's a lot of theories. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when did they start coming up with like the mysteries of his death? Then, like, what made them do that? Um, so it began on September 27th of 1984. Um, 1849. 1849. Oh my gosh. I have dyslexia today. <laughs> I don't even know what's wrong with me. 1849. It's okay. It's okay. Um, he had left v Richmond, Virginia for Philadelphia to help a now forgotten poet by the name of Marguerite St. Leon Loud. That's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> Um, they were, he was going to help her prepare a collection of poems for publication, but he never made it. Um, and they think that he stopped in Baltimore for a drinking spree with some old army buddies, um, that he met while he was at West Point. And, you know, we, we know Poe was a notorious drunk. Yeah. And he was an opium addict also. Oh, that's going to affect everything, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So historians hypothesize that an inebriated Edgar made, met up with some unsavory characters and that his he was badly beaten and left for dead in the streets. That's kind of, that this seems like a logical conclusion, yep. I would think, but with everything. Poeologists, who are people who just study Poe, I guess, insist he was a victim of pooping. Which was actually a form of voters' fraud. So, basically, what they would do is the coping victims were basically kidnapped, beaten, disguised, and then they were forced to vote for the gang's candidate multiple times under different names. Ooh. And as a reward for each vote, these victims um, were treated to a schooner of beer or a shot of rock gut whiskey. 
And this was especially popular in Baltimore during the mid-19th century. So it fits with how Poe was found near a polling place in another man's clothes, clearly under the influence. Oh, that does. Wow. They They would kidnap people, make them vote under different names multiple times, and then just get them drunk for doing that. Yeah. Well, that seems logical. Mm. I mean, I mean, no. I was sarcasm. Why don't you just ask them nicely, guys? <laughs> like, Jesus. Just ask nice. Mm. Wow. So he just, everything just went, like, to shit after Virginia died. Well, his life him. was kind of shit anyways. Right. Like, but, yeah. And it just got worse from there. Yeah. Wow. So wow. a more creative theory was that Poe died of carbon monoxide poisoning by spending too much time indoors breathing in too much coal gas. Oh. But the test on his toenail clippings was inconclusive because I guess that's a way back then you tested carbon monoxide poisoning was toenail clippings. Oh. I guess. Or mercury poisoning. That's another theory. Yeah. And that would be from him receiving a treatment while he was in Philadelphia during a July 1849 um, cholera epidemic. Mm-hmm. But his hair didn't indicate exposure to mercury either. Right. Then you have delirium tremens, which is the rapid onset of confusion caused by withdrawal from alcohol. Makes sense. There's also syphilis. Meningeal, Meningeal, Meningeal inflammation. Rabies. Ra- rabies. Yep. So these are all theories that people have. Yep. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of them, so I guess like pick and choose, but I think the one that makes most most sense to me is the cooping. Well, right. If he's found near a polling place, and it, it just it seems like a logical conclusion. Or syphilis, because syphilis literally, if it's gone untreated, can like attack your brain and right. make you go pretty much insane. So, yeah. So that... Either um, one. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So... We are going to uh, end that part two here. So now we uh, we have covered pretty much Poe's life. Now we're going to get into, in part three, we're going to get into things that happened after his death. Yep, and we'll talk a little more about the house and then, obviously, paranormal. Right. <clears throat> so, like always, we love you guys. Thank you so much for following us, for subscribing. Um, we just appreciate every single one of you. It's just going awesome and it's just going to keep getting better. Um, oh, we, we have five new listeners in New York. Wow. So shout out to you, New York listeners. Shout out to you, New York. That's awesome. Yeah. We only had two before. We have five more. Now so. we have five. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much. Um, As always, like I said, make sure you follow us. Make sure you subscribe. Reach out to us on our email, which is uh, slayersisters666 at gmail.com. All of our platforms, which are TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think that covers it. I think that covers it. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm Tina. I'm Amber. Darkness Darkness is our way of life. See you in the mirror next time.